0: Seven. That's page five twenty-four. If you book a praise, Lord's day seven. accept all his benefits. What is true faith? True faith is a sure knowledge whereby I accept as true all that God has revealed to us in his word. At the same time, it is a firm confidence that not only to others, but also to me, God has granted forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness and salvation out of mere grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. This faith, the Holy Spirit, and 14, from page 570 of your book of praise. Article 7 has the heading, why the gospel is sent to some and not to others. And revealed it to a larger number. The cause of this very distribution of the gospel is not to be ascribed to the worthiness of one people above another, nor to the better use of the light of nature, but to the sovereign God's word. Faith is therefore a gift of God, not because it is Both to will and to work, and indeed all things in all, brings about in man both the will to believe and the act of believing. After the sermon, we will sing. Boys and girls, young people, do you belong? Do you belong to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? You will say, "Of course, I do." That is what God has already told me. Also. So they were told the same thing, that they belong. And you're right. That's also what we are told at the start of the Heidelberg Catechism. I belong, body and soul, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. But the question is, how do you belong? How does it come about that you become a member of Christ? are included in the covenant. For we know that it is not an automatic thing. If that were the case, then everyone in the world would belong. Then all those who perished in Adam, which is the whole human race, would also be made alive in the second Adam, it is because of God's election Paul says in Ephesians 1 verse 4 that God chose you before the creation of the world to be adopted as his child he chooses some Gives to man, to you and to me, quite a responsibility. God does not leave you and me with nothing to do. No, it says in answer 20 that only those. so as well. Now well, we have to be careful here, brothers and sisters, for it is not so that now we must think that God chooses man on the basis of his faith. That is what the arminians claim. They say that God elects man on the basis of his faith. And therefore they say that you must doctrine. Faith, as we read together, is a gift from God. That's what Paul says to the Ephesians, and that's what we confess in the Canons of Dort. It's not something that you give to yourself, or to your children, or to anyone else. No, God gives it to you. He uses instruments such as you and me, but ultimately it is God who gives it to you. It is not because of any human effort that we are saved. That's impossible. For as you know from Scripture, and as is also summarized in the previous Lord's days, man is totally dead in his sins. When you are dead, you can't even lift a finger. something for your own salvation, and that's not true. But again, it doesn't mean that God doesn't give you a role to play. The command to believe and to act in accordance with that belief is real. Throughout the scripture, God calls us to believe and to live a life of faith. And so there is a great tension God's election and man's role therein. There is a tension between what God does and what we must do. There is a tension between God's actions and man's faith. For that reason, the scriptures, Philippians 1, also tell us salvation and the necessity of true faith. First we will see that I must believe and secondly that I can believe. When Christ was making his way through the towns and villages teaching and preaching someone came up to him just out of the blue and asked him Lord are only a few people going to be saved? It is understandable that he asked such a question. For this question ourselves. We, too, want to know who and who will not be saved. We wonder about our relatives or about the child that has gone astray or about people in other churches. The catechism as- student will ask whether or not someone from another church will also be saved. Or he wants to know whether or not children who belong to unbelievers and who die in their infancies, whether or not they will be unfair that God would not save such children after all they never had a chance to come to faith and what about those adults who die and never had a chance to hear the gospel says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many I tell you will try to enter and will not be able to. In other words, do not worry about others. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will receive, will not perish, but receive eternal life. That's also one of the last things he said before his ascension. As we know from Matthew 16, verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe circumstances under which it was written. It was written right after the Reformation. At that time, they had only recently broken away from the Roman Catholic Church, for they saw that the the Roman Catholic Church had departed from God's Word on some very significant and important points. Within the Roman Catholic Church, faith, that it is through the sacraments that you receive God's grace. As long as you belong to the Roman Catholic Church and as long as you receive those sacraments and do good works, then you can be sure of your salvation. You may have to go to purgatory for a little while or for a long time if you've sinned a lot, but you can be sure of your salvation in the end. Faith is not really necessary. But now the category itself in God's word correctly states that only those are saved who by a true faith are grafted into Christ. The catechism rejects all automatism in that regard. Just imagine if salvation was an automatic thing. Then it would not matter the kind of lifestyle you lead. Then Christ would not have had to make such a distinction saved. Basically, that's also what the newest pope stated recently. He said that all men are saved through good works. It doesn't matter if you're a member of the Roman Catholic Church or what gods you believe in, as long as you do good works, it is through good works that you are saved. And so if you bring this to its logical conclusion then you don't need the Lord Jesus Christ what is the answer that the Catechism gives to the question as to who should be saved? Well, the answer, brothers and sisters, given in this Lord's day is masterful. For the Catechism speaks not only being grafted into Christ, but also about true faith. In other words, in accordance with the words of Christ, it does not just speak about election, but it speaks about necessity of faith. It mentions both aspects. For you see, those two elements may never be separated from each other. They belong together. They're the two sides of the one coin. If you leave the one side of a coin blank, then the coin has no value. The same thing is true of the believer. If you do not believe, then it is impossible for you It is impossible to be the one and not the other. When you are grafted into Christ, then you also accept Christ's benefits. In other words, you cannot be part of the tree without bearing fruit. Once again, that's where the tension comes in. Well, it hasn't been removed yet. God does it all, yet we have to do something as well wonderful that a catechism uses the image of the believer being grafted into the tree of Christ, for that is how the Bible itself solves the dilemma. Christ himself used that image of the vine and branches extensively throughout throughout his ministry. He says that in order to be saved, we must be one with Christ, like a branch. He takes the central place. It all depends on the vine, and it all depends on who does the grafting. A branch that is grafted into a tree originally did not belong to it. No, a lot of skill and effort is needed in order to graft a branch from one tree into another. And if the grafting is successful, then the branch will receive the life-giving uses from the tree so that it can grow and grow. So in this analogy, you may want to ask what comes first, my believing or God's grafting in? But again, that's the wrong question. Christ says, enter by the narrow door. Christ says to you, believe and you will be saved. That's your responsibility. You must believe. It's the only way you can be saved. In that way, can you be sure of your election? However, you can never say that once you do believe that then it is because of your action that you are grafted into Christ. No, in all things, you are dependent upon the Lord God. The glory is always to him alone. Know that he is the almighty God. And the almighty God can does not graft him. It's his doing. And therefore, as also the canons say, we should not inquisitively try to pry into this. How can you question God? To ask who or who will not be saved is putting man in the center. And as soon as you put man in the center, of God and that's something you can't do you have to humbly accept what God tells you in his word and you have to do what God tells you he says enter by the narrow door that is the answer that the Lord Jesus gave to enter by the narrow door means to have faith that's what we told that faith is both a sure knowledge and a firm confidence. The earlier editions of the Heidelberg Catechism stated that true faith is not only a sure knowledge, but also a firm confidence. That is the way I learned the Heidelberg Catechism. But that led some people to the conclusion that there are two parts to faith, knowledge and confidence. First part, knowledge is well like a historical faith. It's the kind of faith that says, "I believe everything that is contained in the Bible. I believe that Adam and Eve were real persons, and that a- Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were the patriarchs, whom the people Israel, from whom the people Israel were born. And I believe in the Virgin Mary and in her Son Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, who was raised from the dead." is the second part, namely the firm confidence. That's what's called a saving faith. However, that's a false dilemma. There's only one kind of faith, and that is a true faith. And a true faith consists of both those elements named sides of the one coin the one cannot exist without the other and that is why the new edition of the Heidelberg Catechism was slightly changed now we confess that true faith is a sure knowledge and at the same time a firm confidence this change was made in order to make sure that everyone understood that a Heidelberg Catechism does not teach a progression in our faith time. Think about it, brothers and sisters. Knowledge and confidence must go hand in hand. If you know something as a certainty, then you also act in accordance with that knowledge. Let me give you an example or two. If you know that tomorrow you are going to lose your job. aren't you and if you know that a storm is coming what do you do then well then you take measures in order to protect your property and if you know that an important visitor is coming then you make sure that your house is clean and that you are dressed for the occasion same thing is true of our faith in God if you believe that Christ has died for your sins that he has chosen you as his child, and then you also act in accordance with that knowledge. That is why it is so important that the parents, believing parents of children, that they bring up their children to know these things so that they can act in accordance with that knowledge to know what God has done and will do. If you believe that Christ is going to come back, then you're also going to act in accordance with that faith, aren't you? For then you will want to be ready for his coming. If you believe that God is always true to his covenant, also touches your heart. Faith changes you. It changes your outlook. It changes the way you act. Think about it. Would it be possible for you to know that God has created the whole world and that then you would not worship him? Would you then not also acknowledge him as the great creator and humble yourself yourself? know is what you act upon. But how do we know these things? How do we know that God exists? How do we know about his creation? How do we know anything at all? Well, the answer, of course, is that we know these things from the Bible. It's also what answer 21 tells us. It says that faith is a sure knowledge whereby I accept as true all Bible contains God's word. How do we know that this is not a collection of documents written by men? Well, it says in 2 Peter 1, verse 21, that prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who witnesses in your heart. It says in Article 5 of the Belgian Confession, we believe without any doubt so much because the church receives and approves them as as such but especially because the Holy Spirit witnesses in our hearts that they are from God and also because they contain the evidence thereof in themselves for even the blind are able to perceive that the things foretold in them are being fulfilled. Brothers and sisters their accomplishments but the Bible is quite the opposite the Bible boasts of God human authors minimize and ignore their own sin the divine author exposes human weaknesses and sins God's word is not like any other book in that God's word alone can totally change your heart God's word can also cleanse you from your sins can do that. In the Bible you see God at work. When you read God's word our world begins to make sense. Anyone who observes creation must acknowledge that it is absolutely impossible and that this creation came about on its own. This creation is too beautiful it is too intricate, it is too wonderful, it is too complex have come about by chance. That's what an unbeliever will try to tell you, that it came by chance, that it came from a single cell which evolved into the life forms that exist today. From that primitive life, the complex organisms arose. How is it possible that people actually Suppose you were to make a beautiful castle, you spend all kinds of money and use thousands of skillful people to create it. What do you think will happen to such a structure if left alone? Over time, it will deteriorate. In the end, it will return to dust. That's how it is here on earth. Every world and sustain it and renew it and he who created all things is also able to tell you about his creation and he does that in this word and he tells you about your role in his creation he tells you what he is doing with his creation he tells you what he has done and he tells you what he is going to do You may say, nevertheless, there are times that I doubt. There are times when God seems so far away. Well, God also knows that about you and me, He knows the struggle that we have with our faith. There's exactly and chosen before the creation of the world God's word is for you it's not just for other people God's word is not just for me as the minister or for the elder or the deacon God's word is for everybody who hunger and thirst for the truth God's word is for those desperately wanted to be redeemed from their sins. That was also the case with those Ephesians. At one time, they were living in their sins. They were part of the world of the devil. And then Paul came, and he came with the words of truth, and they when they came to faith that that was confirmed it is for the humble and for the contrite those who confess their sins God's word is for you and for everyone who wants to hear the gospel he reveals himself to you personally he reveals himself to you as your God and that's something that the catechism wants to make absolutely clear but about catechism is a very personal confession. Throughout, it uses the personal pronoun, I and me. It says that faith is a firm confidence that not only to others, but also to me, God has granted forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness. God, almighty God, wants to be in a covenant relationship with you. And you must also believe out that wonderful reality. The God who created heaven and earth wants to be close to you. He wants to dwell with you in your heart. Isn't that something? He wants to see you around his throne forever and ever so that you can praise and glorify him into eternity. He also wants that for your children. The Lord God has done wonderful things for us hasn't he? Can he do it? He can. He is almighty. Will he do these things? Yes. For he promised. He just promised that this afternoon again to these children. Those are the words you must remember when you doubt. Those are the words you have to hang on to when you think that God is so far away or that he wants nothing to do with you because of your sins. Those are the words you must remember when you are alone you are suffering because of terrible illnesses in your own life in the life of a loved one. For remember what the Lord, what this Lord's day says further. It says that God gives you these things out of mere grace. He gives you these things only for the sake of Christ's merits, not your merits. And so in this way you also can believe. It's especially clear from the last sentence of question 21. For there we are Holy, the Holy Spirit works in your heart by the gospel. You've just heard the gospel. Does that not confirm your faith? Time and again you hear the preaching from this pulpit. And the Holy Spirit, does he not reach right into your heart and convince you of the truth of God's word? Are God's words not like delicious morsels? also believe the whole Bible. And that truth is restrated in question and answer 22 as an intro- introduction to question and answer 23. For in an answer 23, we are given a summary of God's word, namely the articles, the 12 articles of faith. Now those are the words which express the confession of the Christian church. This creed came about Statements of faith were added, wherein the faith of the believers was summarized, and those statements of faith were collected and made into one creed, and that's the creed we now have. And each statement of that creed will be dealt with further in the Heidelberg Catechism. Also believe that